0: Welcome back. Uh, This particular episode of Curiosity Bites is brought to you by the Awesome Music Project, connecting music, science, and story to enhance mental health. To find out more about the Awesome Music Project and the AMP Foundation, go to theawesomemusicproject.com. All right, we are here with my guest today, who is Mr. Frank White. He is the author of the Overview Effect and uh, s- hundreds of other <laughs> books. It seems like, but certainly a trilogy that we're going to go into in a little bit. And he is the guy whose voice is heard um, in a very, in ways that um, are not firsthand. Meaning, he is the voice of the astronauts. We were just talking about how every, in the last episode, about how every great traveler, every great um, warrior has had by their side, a storyteller, somebody who sort of uh, uh, documents each of the stories and the adventures, and it seems like that's what Frank has done for so many of these astronauts who have come back from space. And one can only imagine, and again, I want to just say this, one, one can only imagine that when you go out there I mean I know I've had experiences in my life we've all I think most of us have had experiences in life where we it's difficult to explain what happened Mm. it's because it's it's beyond our previous concepts of reality and because it's beyond our previous concepts of reality we know that trying to relate it to somebody who's never had that experience is like you know I mean I, I I did a lot of research into psychedelics and people who've gone through psychedelic experiences. And and that's always the barrier is like, how do you explain that sound was liquid? You know, that's one of the things I've heard. Right. So it's that same thing. And it seems like this is why. i really, this is very much a compliment to you, Frank. It seems like in many ways you've become the interpreter for these astronauts into languaging something that is beyond the concept of human beings. I mean, I think we're getting a better experience of it now because of movies and film and, and, you know, amazing uh, technology. But in so many ways, you have taken their words and made them um, consumable by the rest of the world, the rest of us who don't get it.
1: Do you feel that way? Do you feel like an interpreter sometimes? I do. And I I can tell you a couple of stories that, highlight this in the sense that over and over again, the astronauts say, it's very hard to explain this. I'm sure Um, that's the main thing I want to tell you. It's very hard to explain it Mm -hmm. or describe it. And you just said it perfectly. The overview effect really is an experience and Mm -hmm. it's been turned into a concept in a way through my work because that's the best we can do in, in the sense that sure. you and I, after this talk, our experience of the universe will be the same as our ancestors a thousand years ago. We're on a stable platform. The heavens are revolving above us. Our experience won't change. Our, right. our concept will change. Um, <clears throat> but the other thing is, astronauts come back and they say, I didn't go for myself. I really went for humanity. Uh, and it's very literally true. If you think about it, NASA mm-hmm. astronauts, we paid for them to go. Wow. Uh, you know, the astronauts in the Soviet union, that was another government program. Right. They all feel they want to communicate it. They, they want to share it. They, they don't wow. want to keep it to themselves. Um, and, Nicole Stott, who's an astronaut I've talked to a lot, who's been really supportive of my work, has said, you know, you've given us the language to to explain this. Now, on the other other side of the coin, um, when I talked to Alan Bean, who's an Apollo astronaut, and asked him, you know, if I could interview him, uh, he, first of all, wanted to see their contract for the book. He wanted to know I was serious. Mm. Uh, and he, he said, you know, I'm sorry to be so picky, but if I had a dollar for every journalist or a writer who's told me they're gonna describe our experience, I'd be a wealthy man. And he basically implied that a lot of people had tried and failed. Mm, to do it. because you get into it and you think wow you know this is hard mm-hmm. if you haven't been there yeah and uh on the other hand if i had been in orbit if i had gone myself my experience would predominate and in this yeah. way i can talk to everyone and kind of synthesize and give some sort of summary of what's common, you know? You brought up something there that's so, so glaringly
0: obvious. It is difficult to explain if you've been there. You haven't been there. You synthesize these understandings uh, and these experiences. So my first question is an obvious one, which is, do they, meaning the astronauts, do they feel like you've captured it? Because, you know, I watch these, you know, you see these uh, semi-biography movies that are dramatized. And, and oftentimes, you know, if you followed history, um, or, you know, for me, you know, I look at certain things and you know, go, yeah, that's not really what happened. I, even I know, and I wasn't right there, you know, right. but as a student of history and politics and those kinds of things so do they feel like you've really captured something you never experienced that for me is quite fascinating
1: well that's a good question i think i can only say no one has really complained (laughs) the complaints are low so yeah we're good
0: i mean you know it's kind of like shakespeare describing countries he never lived in cultures he never experienced and for all intents and purposes, from everything we can gather, he was pretty bang on,
1: Yeah,
0: you know, for a man who had never been to those places. And you have never been to that place and you've done this amazing job of synthesizing that information in a way that not only um, satisfies the uh, the person who shared it with you, but satisfies us in giving us a, a, a sense of this overview effect. What is this, this concept that draws us in? So, you know, that's why I thought it was a really interesting piece when I looked at it. Now, in, you, you, you talked about earlier that you have, um, you know, you started out with two active astronauts and you interviewed a bunch of um, retired astronauts. And the interesting thing about that for me, uh, you and I talked about this briefly before, which is uh, I've interviewed and worked with this my clients, um, many people who were professional sports people, Olympians, all the rest of it. And very often, the issue they face is an identity issue. I was this, hi, I'm Charlie, I'm an Olympian. And now I'm not, right. and I'm a fat guy who drinks beer, and, you know, I used to be an Olympian. And there's that hanging on to an identity. Uh, and very often that is psychologically uh, extremely challenging. And the, I don't know. I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, my son's a brain surgeon. That's pretty good. My son's a priest or a rabbi. That's pretty good. Uh, my son's an, uh, uh, My daughter's an Olympian. That's pretty great. It's a whole other thing to say, my daughter or my son, astronaut or to say I'm an astronaut, I mean, I know you're always an astronaut, but you're kind of not. What's your experience of them moving back into the world? Because uh, people don't know that astronauts are actually not just astronauts. They're usually something else first. You know, Edgar Mitchell, you and I talked about, we'll come back to him later, you know, PhD, very smart people. But what's your experience of them coming back into the world and trying to integrate with an identity that actually is relative to their past and maybe even to them
1: before they even had an overview effect. Mm. Well, I haven't really come across anyone who had a very hard time coming back. Mm -hmm. The only, the only astronaut who's been documented that I'm aware of who had a difficult time was Buzz Aldrin who was in, Person to walk on the moon second man to walk on the moon so one of the things astronauts will tell you is if you want to be an astronaut you better have a plan b mm. in other words you'd better have a profession you'd better have a uh, an interest you, you'd better have something else right because first of all the odds that you're going to get selected are really low. Yes. You're you're likely not going to be an astronaut. So I interviewed one astronaut uh, in my recent trip to Johnson Space Center. If I have it right, I believe he was rejected eight times to be a test pilot. And he finally became a test pilot and seven times to be an astronaut might be the other way around but it was he was rejected many a times a lot of rejections <laughs> and he succeeded in both right um so you have to have some other uh, other career in mind mm. i think that's very helpful in terms of adjusting yes um and the other thing astronauts today uh, do as compared to the early days of Apollo, which was a very big thing in the media and so on, they don't spend most of their time in outer space. No. They spend most of their time on Earth, like the rest Mm -hmm. of us, planning for their flight, supporting somebody else's flight, debriefing when they come back, and then planning another flight. And so they're leading relatively ordinary nine to five you know government jobs uh comparatively but i do think one thing that does persist as an an issue is i want to share this how do i share it uh that obligation i think remains and so most of them if you ask them to come speak to your elementary school class or if you want to do a video with them, they'll say yes because they feel like they really have to do that. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It,
0: it's it's it is it's fascinating. Um one of the things that okay, so let's just let's go let's have some fun for a minute. Uh, is the earth round or flat?
1: <laughs> the earth is round. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Because yeah. I
0: know there's a bunch of people on the internet who are like, no,
1: it's not. I know. It's a NASA scam. <laughs> I know. And it's interesting, Doug. I, I, don't, I don't understand the flat earth people. I have to be right. honest. Um, it's very interesting, though if you look at any video that I've ever done or any of these videos like the overview film or Mm -hmm. the down to earth film, and you look at the likes and dislikes, there's always a lot of dislikes that say, this is all, it's all a sham. Mm It's not real. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it, it can't be so. And, I think it's 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 an interesting um, example of how the human mind can construct so many different realities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when people talk to me about, for example, was the Apollo, were the Apollo missions uh, faked? Was it a sound set in Arizona? Yeah. You know, I could argue over and over again about how how they how they've convinced themselves of that. But you know, I've I've settled on the fact that I've interviewed 41 astronauts. They all seem like pretty honest people to me. Uh they tell me the Earth is round and they tell me the Apollo missions were real. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to trust people. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just don't think the people I've talked to uh, would steer steer us wrong? Yeah, it, it 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 is an interesting thing though about
0: the human condition. Um, you know, yeah. uh, I remember when there was a there was a Netflix special coming out about flat Earth, and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. And my wife's like, what? Really? And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, you don't believe that though. And I go, no. And she goes, well, why is it interesting? Because I'm fascinated by human beings, and I'm curious why somebody sees that. And I watched it, and I thought it was fascinating because i I loved listening to what I call their emotional logic mm-hmm. it's still logic but it but it's a it's a false logic it's based on a certain premise right mm-hmm. and, and all logic is based on a certain premise, but it 's like that's really interesting how you get to that and for me there's when we when I see something Excuse me. Uh, when I see something that is outside the bounds of logic, I go to a couple of places. One place is if we think about everything that is real slash logical slash provable, and we think about that as being a circle this big, I asked how big was that circle a hundred years ago? And it was this big. It was half that size. So what was everything that is now in that size before? And the answer is myth- mythology or mystical or something else. And so I think that a lot of what we say is not true, is true, but we haven't had the, the technology to prove it yet. But there's also the other piece of it, which is the psychology, which is it's not true because it messes with my reality and I don't like that. So yes, you have a different color skin than I do, so you're clearly not as good as I am, uh, because that would threaten me to think of you as an equal. Uh, Or you're not as good as I am because you come from a country that's hot versus a country like mine. You know, whatever it is, or you speak a language. And it's that, again, we're back to that same thing about that overview effect, Mm. like so for me, in my ideal world, I remember I had this conversation recently uh, with uh, with Stephen Kotler who uh, was part of the original Flow Genome Project and one of the things I talked about was that when I was uh, young, uh, I remember taking ecstasy, MDMA, and thinking, oh my God, I want to drop this in the water of Gorbachev and Reagan because <laughs> that's when those talks are going on. You know, And I was like this shit should go in the water for these guys, right? And, and it's, you know, I'm not suggesting that, by the way, for anybody. But it's kind of the same thing with me wanting to say, well, let's put Donald Trump up there and let him have a look. And all those who are tribal, let's put the Brazilian Trump up there. Let's put the, the leader of the Philippines up there. Let's put all those more dictatorial. I don't think it would cure them because um, I think that some of them have got some serious <laughs> issues that have got nothing to do with an overview effect or lack thereof. There may be some other issues that we can't go into here. But I would like to get, you know, it's what you said about giving the world that, that experience of being big, like being so small in a much bigger world that we stop fighting about what doesn't matter. Um, because one of the things that really comes up for me, and I want to ask you about this, Frank, is, you know, I talked about at the beginning that this, you know, Elon Musk and others are talking about going to Mars and a million people on Mars. Here's my issue, and I really want to know your point, and, and particularly in the context of the astronauts you've spoken to. My issue is this. Uh, we've made a bloody mess of this planet. Um, it Going off to another one that is basically uninhabitable, um, certainly not hospitable, um, going to another planet, maybe uh, setting off a few nuclear bombs and creating a more biodiversity and all those things that they've talked about, uh, creating a nuclear winter, etc., to, to make it uh, livable at some point, it's still a long ways out. Why the hell would we go somewhere else I get the overview effect. I get the importance of that. But why would we go live on another planet rather than take care of the one we're on? It's like, oh well, we've beaten this horse to death. Let's just get a new one.
1: Well, we we shouldn't do that. No. No. We we shouldn't abandon. that's that's my point. And that's why I made the point the Earth is part of the solar system. Right. Um you know, Elon Musk's argument. Again, this goes back to logic. Elon Musk's argument is something may happen to the earth. We need a plan B. We need a backup planet. And certain people are attracted to that. Sure. Like, yeah. Um, now, the, the concern I have is exactly the concern you've mentioned and I've talked about this before in the context of Columbus, who you brought up earlier. We used to have Columbus Day in the United States, and we admired Columbus for being a great explorer, right? And then last year, Columbus, Ohio did not have Columbus Day. Right. They had Indigenous Peoples Day. Yep. Why did they do that? Well, Columbus didn't do anything the year before last in order to lose his day. <laughs> he's behaved very badly in 2019 and went, okay, we're done. <laughs> no, it didn't happen that way. Our consciousness changed. Yes. I admire Elon Musk. He's an explorer. He's curious, going back to that. Uh, he's He's very concerned about the environment. That's why he's building electric cars. And he's done remarkable things that nobody else had ever done before, right? Including building rockets that could come back. Including something that the government technology people said, I don't think you can even do that. He did it. Well, I admire all of that. And just, I admire that Columbus was an explorer, but we've abandoned him because he was an exploiter and did terrible things and brought on terrible things being done to indigenous people. Right. I don't want 500 years from now for people to look back and say, you ever heard of Frank White? Mm -hmm. He encouraged people to leave the planet and go to Mars and look at the mess that was made. So what I think we need to do is number one, one of the reasons I want people to have this overview consciousness is to have a bigger picture before we go to other planets and number two in the Cosmo hypothesis I proposed and we are actually creating the human space program right and the key to the human space program is to create a sustainable inclusive and ethical blueprint for settling what we're calling the solar ecosystem or the solar system and part of that is going to be groups of people task forces who are going to ask the question should we terraform mars Mm -hmm. Uh, or even should we send people to mars yes we're going to ask the fundamental questions before it happens. And, you know, Carl Sagan famously said, if we find primitive life on Mars, we can't go there. We that's Mars for the Martians, even if it's just little bacteria, right? That's their planet. We have to, we have to leave them alone. Uh, my question in the Cosmo Hypothesis is what is our purpose in the universe other than exploiting it <laughs> what are we doing why why do we have this incredible power and how will we use it what are we bringing to the universe um, well in,
0: in that book in yeah. the Cosmo Hypothesis which is you know as you said is you know, sort of laying out a plan for exploring and developing the solar system. But in the book, uh, you you speak about the great purpose, uh, whether human beings as a species, as a whole, have a purpose in the universe. Talk to us a little bit about that, because I think that, again, you know, we're we're condemning Columbus, and I'm definitely in favor of that. uh, So no mistake there. But we're all a bit Columbus, you know what I mean? Uh, And so, you know, well, it doesn't really matter now because there's nothing there. Yeah. That's what they said about America, which was full of indigenous people. That's what they said about everywhere they've gone. I mean, you know, the Brits who went into Australia treated the Aboriginal people horrendously. Uh, Mm -hmm. The same thing happened in Africa. I mean, you know, every country where we see ourselves as a, higher intelligence higher morality christian judeo christian and then put that on them you know not difficult to do that in the concept of a planet hmm. you know i mean really if you think about i mean how long does it take for us to get to the moon how long does that take i don't know what 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 is
1: 3 days
0: 3 days Okay. So how long did it take Columbus to 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 sail from Spain to the Americas? You know,
1: several months,
0: right? Several months, you know. So when we think about how far away the moon is, it's not really very far in that concept. So it's very easy for us to say, well, you know, getting to Mars, I mean, that's a long way, you know, and, it's, and the further we get away again is this other piece of the further we get away the less it seems like that you know obviously it doesn't really matter and so now we're messing with the microbes on that planet you know the single cell uh, cell species that may evolve into something else that for me is is the is the huge concern so talk to us about this this great purpose that you
1: spoke about in that book mm. One of the people I admire, though, of course, I never knew him because he was a 19th century person, uh, was Fyodorov, um, who was the librarian in the Moscow Library. Uh, and he had an idea of the purpose of humanity in the universe. His idea was that everything was alive and uh, to some extent sentient and it depended on its level of... Inform- well, he didn't use this term, I, I've imposed this, but uh, basically it's it's information processing ability, uh, okay? So he had a holistic view of everything with humanity being a part of it. And he felt that humanity's purpose was really to be a balancer, a, um, a regulator Uh, To play a role within this web of life, you know, and so I've kind of translated that into, oh, incidentally, I should say that's a space philosophy, but Konstantin Tsiolkovsky built on that and he essentially created the underlying uh, set of ideas that informed the Soviet space program, right? So I built on that, and I have proposed that our purpose may well be to help the universe become more intelligent, self-aware, and alive. That is to say, where we go and what we do will increase the level of self-awareness and aliveness and intelligence of the universe. I don't know if that's true. It's a hypothesis. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. But what I'm really trying to do is, is start a dialogue where we justify human exploration in terms of what we're offering to the larger whole, the larger whole system. And it seems very idealistic and very, uh, I suppose, uh, Pollyanna for some, but, you know, recently we've had this shift in consciousness about the earth. Yep. We looked at the earth as this vast resource Mm -hmm. that we could just exploit. And I think in the last hundred years, last 50 years, we started to say, no, we have to be in balance with the earth. We have to give as well as take. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm I'm really challenging an approach that is mostly exploitative. Um, but that's I mean that
0: is how we we have been on the planet, right? I mean we yeah. have the the uh, we've not just been the explorers, we've been the exploiters, um, and the explorers have been at the at the, at the tip of that arrow, um, at the tip of that spear. In they're often the explorers are often, like Columbus, financed by those who wish to exploit the conquered lands or the to-be-conquered lands. Uh, I want to. Uh, we're going to take another break, and when I come back, I want to talk to you about um, Camelot. I want to talk yeah. to you about that would be fun. Yeah, your radical views and insights into. Uh, 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 the Apollo era, uh, particularly what Kennedy's desire for that was, and 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 all those things. Um, so, I hope you'll stay with us and come back for the next part of this fabulous interview with Mr. Frank White. He is the, um, I guess, uh, the the conceptualizer as well as the writer of the Overview Effect, in which he's now interviewed. Since its fourth iteration, he's interviewed forty one astronauts. Um, Fascinating guy, done some amazing research. We're going to come back in a, in just a few minutes, and I hope you'll stay with us till then.